Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go right out to the Raider Nation uh, listener line. And Mitch is in New Jersey. He wants to talk about receivers. How's you, Vinny? How's Good, man. How are you doing? It is. I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. Hope everything's uh, cool off a bit. It is, uh, yes. Uh, hey, first of all, um, I know uh, uh, he was a heck of an athlete, but a lot of, a lot of guys in sports were great athletes. And just didn't really pan out. I still think Cooper Cup is going to be, is or is going to be a, uh, a better fo- uh, when his career is all said and done than uh, Gordon Nelson. I know he was fair. I know you mentioned about that. I don't want to, you know, bring up everything that's pretty obvious, but he was some athlete in, in Kansas. But Cooper Cup, I wish he was on our Raiders. He'd be a solid number two. The only reason not number one because he's not a speedster, but he, he's a, he gets the ball. He's got pretty good speed. He's, he's pretty tough. I like him. But if our guy, I was, if he can stay healthy and and rugs, he's gonna be good. Uh, I mean, that's gonna be uh, four pretty good uh, wide receivers, and I think there's more. It just seems like the draft and the free agents been a long time ago, and I'm not looking forward to some of it flying, which it is. It seems already, but it's just been a long time since we all done that. And one more thing, your boy, my Clippers. You know, had this been a few years ago what, uh, with the hockey team and now uh, the Raiders coming over there last year. I think uh, the owner's name is Belma. Belma. He's a multi-billionaire, great owner. I think he would have bought an arena to land and built an arena and moved the Clippers because they hate the Clippers over there in Los Angeles. Well, they're, no they're, um, yeah, they're, he's building a new, um, he's, he's building an arena for them in Inglewood right across the street from SoFi Stadium. So he's, he's locked stock and bowel, so block and stone is, is that the thing. Anyway, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for taking my call, bro. You got it, yeah. man. Uh, yeah, uh, Stephen Ballmer, the Clippers owner, is uh, is building a uh, a new arena over in Inglewood, right across the street from SoFi Stadium, for his Clippers. Um, and uh, it's probably high time that the Clippers got their own arena. Quick little story: um, their former owner, uh, Donald Sterling, actually. You see, see what happened was. The Forum, which is where the Lakers played um, and the Kings played, the uh, hockey team, uh, was becoming outdated, okay? And so the owners of the Kings, which was uh, a gentleman by the name of Philip Anschwitz, who who uh, owns uh, AEG, um, it's a big entertainment company, and they build stadiums and manage stadiums across the country. So AEG says, hey, we're going to build a new arena. And it was originally going to be just for the Lakers and the Kings. Okay, so two teams, a hockey team and the Lakers. All right? It wasn't until later on that the Clippers, who were playing at the Sports Arena, which was uh, basically a dump right next door to the Coliseum uh, over near USC, it wasn't until later on that the Clippers were added on to that lease. And how that came about was very interesting um, Donald Sterling, the, uh, the the Clippers owner, was actually on his way to Anaheim, California, uh, which is about 30 miles uh, south of Los Angeles, to go secure a deal um, to, to take his Clippers to Anaheim, California, okay? 
that was the way it was supposed to play out. So Sterling is on his way uh, to Anaheim, and he's stuck in traffic, as you always are on that drive. Uh, it's not that long in distance, but if you catch it at the right time, it takes you forever, okay? And the, what was going through Donald Sterling's mind was, you know, you got to understand Donald Sterling lived in Beverly Hills. He, has, he was a, a real estate mogul in Southern California, very, very rich. He was actually had more money than... Uh, the Lakers family, uh, Jerry Buss, who actually kind of got him into the NBA business uh, in a roundabout way uh, back in the day. But Donald Sterling had all of his Hollywood friends and all his, you know, uh, cronies that would go to Clippers games um, because it was right there in Los Angeles. And he started thinking to himself, man, none of my friends are going to make this drive all the way out to Anaheim. Uh, there's no way I could do it. So he said, turn around, forget this. And he came back and he goes to the Staples Center and says, look, you know, we're going to, I want the Clippers to play here. What's it going to take? <clears throat> so they agreed to, uh, you know, to add him onto the lease. But you have to understand that what that meant for the Clippers is it's bad enough being maybe the second team on the ledger, but the third team what is in a, in a, in a, <laughs> in a situation where all three teams are playing simultaneously during the same seasons, right? Hockey season and the NBA season are played at basically the same time. There might be a few weeks uh, of a buffer. Uh, the hockey starts just a little bit earlier and ends a little bit earlier. Okay. But they generally play uh, during the same time of year. Okay. So that meant all think about it. Who do you think was going to get the prime days to play their games, the Lakers and the Kings. In fact, I think the Lakers might have had it written into their contract that they had first dibs. I'd have to go look back at that. But the, the Kings were second, all right? Second or 1A, 1B, because obviously the Lakers were the big draw. Um, and it got that stadium, that arena, it helped get that stadium built, some of the, some of the um, you know, money that was needed and all that good stuff. So when you start looking at the schedule, now the, the the Clippers are that third banana. So guess who's playing Saturday afternoons? Guess who's playing Monday nights? Guess who's playing on the worst possible days all the time? It's the Clippers. And the Kings would get precedent. The Lakers would get precedent. And the Clippers would get um, the third, you know, behind concerts and, you know, the, the circus and <laughs> all that type of stuff. So can you imagine... Um, you know, and not only that, but they have to play in the Lakers arena. And if you've ever been to Staples Center, uh, when you walk in on uh, the uh, the Hearn entrance and you walk into the uh, arena off of, um, you know, uh, the first thing you do is you look to your right and you see all those beautiful championship banners hanging there, Laker championship banners. Uh, and then there's, you know, the Kings now have two Stanley Cup uh, banners over there. And you see all those beautiful Laker numbers that have been retired. Wilt Chamberlain, Creo Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Jerry West, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, um, James Worthy, Gail Goodrich, uh, on and on and on and on, all these great players. And by the way, to get your number retired, by the Lakers, you also have to be in the Hall of Fame. So all those players that are just named are in the Hall of Fame. That's the litmus test to get your number uh, retired from the Lakers. You don't just win championships. You have to uh, also get to the Hall of Fame. So that's why guys like... Um, 
you know, some other, you know, Derek Fisher, who's been a great player for, who was a great player for the Lakers, uh, was part of five championship teams. Uh, his number hasn't been retired. Michael Cooper, I think Michael Cooper's going to get his number retired because did he make the Hall of Fame? Was he part of the Hall of Fame? Anyway, that might have happened recently. But the point being for the Clippers, imagine that, you know, you have to live under that you know, big brother, big, big brother uh, aspect uh, to the point where they ended up just going ahead and, um, and covering up all the Laker retired numbers and all the, uh, the, the Laker championship banners. It looks ridiculous. You go over there and there's like this big sheet basically that's covering all that up because the Clippers, you know, uh, kept bare uh, to have that hanging over their shoulders. Um, but good for them. I'm glad that they're going to get their own arena in Inglewood. We'll see how that uh, kind of all plays out. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, but to you by Tequila and Bajador. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Joe in L.A. How you doing, Joe? Good, thank you. So I just had a funny little thing to talk about with the L.A. Sports Arena. It was a dump. <laughs> but oh, ironically a enough, dump that jumps, by uh, according to Bruce Springsteen, by the way. It, was, it had well, great that's sound. What, that's what I was going to say. I saw Bruce Springsteen there. I saw Public Enemy, the Def Jam Tour, and Drumroll. I saw Prince there, and I'm a huge Prince fan, as I'm sure you are as well. Heck yes. I, yeah, saw, that, I, I mean, I can't count how many times I saw Prince play in concert. Loved it. Yeah, and the, the last time, one of the last times I saw him, uh, besides when he did that 21 Days in L.A., was um, actually in Rio in Vegas. He oh, had, uh, nice. And you know, a quick story was, I was there for a business conference, and so, you know, I, I had to dress nice for the conferences, so I was dressed nice and showed up late, not knowing that the day, well, the, that morning, people were lined up like at six in the morning to get in because it was, uh, it was just, it wasn't any seats. It was just first come first serve. And so he evidently was filming that night and I was way in the back of the line. So I go, oh, I guess I'm never going to see him up close. But here comes around a couple girls with a little tablet and they're just checking out everybody, not thinking what they were going to do. And they asked me, are you here for the concert? Yes. She, they go, well, how did you pay? I used my credit card. And they go, hmm. And they checked me up and down because I was dressed nice. And they pulled me out of the line and put me in. And I was one of the first people in there because they were filming. And I got to see him up close playing the guitar. That is awesome. Uh, that is a great, 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 great story. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think the concert you might be talking about is uh, he came to Los Angeles for a whole bunch of dates. And if this is the one I'm thinking about, uh, because I, the last time I saw Prince was at the Forum, and they're trying to save the Forum because if anyone who knows Los Angeles knows yeah. that after the Lakers and Clipper, after Lakers and Kings and Clip, or Lakers and Kings, I should say, left to go over to the Staples Center, it basically left the Forum kind of obsolete a little bit. Uh, and then right. it got run down and went through some ownership changes. Finally, Madison Square Garden. Well, right before Madison Square Garden bought it, um, uh, Prince did some concerts at the Forum intending to try to save it and uh, put it back on the map a little bit. And so yeah, here's the like deal. 21 days, I think it was. Yes. Those tickets were $25. There were no fees. If you bought them online or however you bought them, like um, not legally, but you know, on, on uh, uh, not on the secondary market, 
it was $25 with no fees. Every single ticket cost $25. That's how Prince rolled. And and he didn't want to, because he always felt like concert goers got stuck with the service fees through the ticket companies that, that managed, uh, you know, selling tickets. So there were no fees. You know how, like, when you buy a ticket through, I'm not going to name them, but, you know, there's a $4 service fee for every ticket. So you're paying 100 bucks plus $4, you know, or wherever it is. Sometimes it's even more. Um but but that was I remember watching him in concert. I went I went two nights uh, uh, for Prince uh, during that tour, and he comes out and he starts talking about how like hey we got to save the forum man like what are we thinking here? And he's like yeah. you guys you don't, you don't understand. He goes I saw Michael Jackson here <laughs> you know at the forum you know and everyone's going crazy. I saw Bruce Springsteen here at the forum or whoever. Was that he mentioned, and and everyone's roaring, and he goes, "I saw the Lakers win championships at the forum, and the whole play Magic Johnson, the Lakers win championships at the forum, and the whole place went berserk. It went nuts, and I truly feel like that helped save um, uh, or, uh, or or the forum. And if you look at it now." It's voted continually, constantly, one of the or annually now one of the great concert venues uh, on on you know concert tours, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out because SoFi Stadium, as you know, in Los Angeles, Joe, is right yeah. across the street, and I mean like literally right across the street, and then, yeah. um, and then of course you know what, the Clippers. Quick, you know what I thought was kind of interesting was you know I haven't been in Vegas, my sister lives there. You know, we have full access to go into Elite Stadium, and when I went the other day, because I dropped somebody off at the airport, everything was closed with gates, so I couldn't even get into the the parking structure. So that was the only thing that was disappointing, because I haven't seen that stadium up close yet. If you go on, um, I forget what this, if you get off of Russell right. Road and, and go through that, se- there's a second um, uh, street, it starts with a P, I, I'm not... I'm not Priory, I'm fr- Priory. What's that? Oh, you're talking about the Forum? No, I'm talking about the uh, the SoFi Stadium. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a little bit difficult, there. right? I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I haven't. The last time I saw SoFi was when the Raiders played there, so it's been a little while. I don't know what they've done, you know, with the, with the parking and everything. But you're right, Allegiant Stadium. You could just drive up to it, and you know, there's the there's the store, there's the team store uh, there, and everything like that. So, um, but uh, thanks for you know uh, jogging the old memory. Uh, yeah, uh, one day I want to challenge you to uh, maybe uh, your screener. We could do a little uh, a little Prince uh, uh, trivia. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. And another quick story from one one of the nights that that I was there, he get and he may have done this every night. Uh, I actually didn't do it the second night that I was there, but the, but the first night I was there, uh, a Sheila E performed that night. That was pretty awesome. But um, and I think every night he had somebody special come up there with him and perform. But so he gets out, he gets on the piano, right, and starts doing. He starts doing um, you know. Uh, a, a, what turned out to be a medley, all right? Yeah. So he just bounced from song to 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 song, middle way through, and I, this was going on for a while. He just stops and says, you know, I can stay here all night. And the thing is, he could have. He had so many great songs, so many hits, that it would have been impossible for him in th- uh, three hours to do all of his songs that he had done. It just was one after another, and it was nuts. He was he was tremendous. Um, and 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 Joe, one day I'll tell you the story about how I got a chance to go to Paisley Park. Um, oh yeah, I, I heard that the other. Day. You know, uh, I was so crushed. 
to this day, it's, it was really hard for me to understand what happened. But it yeah, shouldn't have happened. That's that. That's that's the issue. He got he got, uh, and and it'll be interesting to see if anyone ever pays the price for that because um, I don't. I, I I think he was unfortunately taking something that they thought was one thing was actually something else, and that's not cool, you know. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I appreciate the call, Joe, uh, as oh, always. Uh, thank you so much. Prince is just uh, unbelievable. And, and you know, that, that, that whole Los Angeles music scene, because Prince had a place in Los Angeles, too, and he'd spent a lot of time there. He definitely loved Minneapolis and, and loved Paisley Park and, and, you know, did a lot of his work there. Uh, but he, he lived in, a, in an area of, of Los Angeles where, you know, he would just get in his car and drive down and show up at somebody's, you know, up-and-coming, um, you know, artist. And just be in the crowd and everyone's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, like imagine that, you know, and, uh, there's Prince sitting in on one of your, on one of your sets. Uh, I think my other favorite Prince story was, was covering an NBA finals as the Lakers against the, uh, the New, New Jersey Nets. And we were all, it was on deadline and, uh, and, and I'm writing in the press room, uh, the Chick Hearn press room, which, um, that's usually where we would eat and then work, but because it's the NBA finals and there's so many more reporters, it was just a work area. Right. And so I'm sitting there writing and doing my thing. And all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, um, I saw somebody kind of wa walking towards me. It was, it was like a, a, a bunch of tables that were set up. Um, and there was pathways in between each table that was set up. And it was Prince, and he was going to use the bathroom. Believe it or not, um, at the uh, it, there was one men's bathroom, one one uh, bathroom for the women uh, in the press room. But it was a, it was much easier to deal with than having to obviously go out where you know the uh, everyone else is using the restroom in the public restrooms on the outside um, in the corridors of the of the arena. So I'm like, whole. I had to like. It took me about five minutes to regroup, and I never, ever, ever, ever get like get like that. I never get like that. I've been covering this LA sports scene for you know three three plus decades. There isn't anybody, if I really sit here and think about it, that I haven't either seen, met, brushed. You know, uh, there's some funny stories that I have that I can't necessarily get into on on some of the things that I've seen and done, um, but. And, and it's very, very rare that I ever get like that. But with Prince, uh, I got like that. It was, it was like a incredible moment because it was just Prince. And, you know, when Prince rolled out, he rolled out like Prince. So, um, it was, it was great. But there he was watching the Lakers, uh, beat the, uh, New Jersey Nets who were led by the way, by a guy by the name of Jason Kidd, who it looks like he's going to be the next head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. So good for Jason Kidd, the pride of, uh, Alameda, California, uh, St. Joseph high, St. Joseph's high school, uh, in Alameda. And one of the best to ever do it, the head coach of the New Jersey Nets that year was a guy by the name of Byron Scott. So, uh, there's some Lakers trivia because, uh, Jason Kidd is currently for at least another couple hours, uh, an assistant coach uh, with the Lakers. So uh, anyway, nice going down memory lane. And definitely the sports arena uh, was a dump. And definitely Bruce Springsteen, who loved the, the acoustics of the sports arena, um, used to call it literally the dump <laughs> that jumps. And uh, by the way, the area where the sports arena was is now where um, LAFC, the, uh, the Los Angeles uh, soccer club uh, that play, plays right there. They built this beautiful, beautiful, I think it's Bank One Stadium, I, I want to say. Um, uh, I might be getting the name uh, incorrect, but right next to the Coliseum, which is where USC plays, where the Rams used to play, is this 
beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, soccer uh, arena for um, the LAFC uh, soccer team. It's right there, right off of Figueroa. It's gorgeous. I do miss uh, all of that. Talking about Los Angeles right now uh, is, is bringing back some great memories, but uh, it just continues to grow. Uh, but so does Las Vegas. Um, there's the new resorts world just opened uh, yesterday. That looks like it's an unbelievable uh, location. Uh, Allegiant Stadium um, has now become just a huge part of the landscape here uh, in Las Vegas. Um, I was on a radio show in Los Angeles, ironically enough, earlier today, and they were asking about Allegiant Stadium. It's so cool when you go over there um, at any hour of the day, literally any hour of the day. And there's some hours where it's just more, uh, it's just busier uh, because the team store is open. The Raider Image store is open there at, uh, at Allegiant Stadium. But, um, you know, I've been driving home even just late at night and uh, enjoying myself here um, in Las Vegas. And you, and you, you can't miss Allegiant Stadium. Uh, if you're driving home, uh, I live in Henderson, so driving home on the 15 to the 215, that whole thing, you pass right by Allegiant Stadium. Um, whether you're coming into Las Vegas, downtown, or, or leaving it, you're going to run right past it. And so you can see people there all the time. And no matter what the hour uh, is, and it's just so cool. And I told my friends in Los Angeles on the radio show that I was at today, or on today, it's, it shows you how, pride, pr- uh, how proud Raider fans are of this new palace uh, that, that has been built really for them, the organization, and for them. Um, and you go back to when they played at the Oakland Alameda Coliseum, and you go back to when they played at the Los Angeles Coliseum. I'm, I'm not going to you know, uh, throw anybody under the bus, but both places uh, were relics. You know, And the Coliseum in LA, fortunately, has gotten a, a facelift. It looks pretty nice now. It's still super, super old and it doesn't have all the you know um all the great things that that the modern stadiums have and certainly uh, the oakland coliseum doesn't so for for after all these years and i'm talking about decades of the raiders trying to find a, a permanent home that was going to be their home for the next forever um and not being able to do it to finally have that raider fans come from everywhere and go out there and just take it in with all this pride and that's so cool to see and i know it means a lot to mark davis the owner mark Bedane, the team president they are so happy uh to have given raider nation that jewel really and now of course they want to um complement it by winning some football games that is the key to it all you're in the huddle with Vinny monster brought to you by tequila Nevada. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. We're going to go right out to the Raider Nation listener line. Dave is in Chino. Uh, Cal- Chino, um, Chino Hills or Chino? Chino. What's going on, my brother? Hey, uh, yeah, as, as I see you're listening, you're talking about Prince. My last concert was in uh, in Vegas at the Hard Rock. I think it might have been about three years before he passed, but, man, great concert. I saw him multiple times in L.A. Um, but, uh, you know, you're talking about the Raiders, um, you know, in that stadium. I mean, I remember being back, uh, I was in uh, 1995, 96. I just got out of the mil- just came back from being overseas, and, 
and you know, I planned on 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 uh, coming back to LA and becoming a season ticket holder. I probably had enough money to just get one ticket at the time. The Coliseum. Well, lo and behold, that summer they decided to move to to uh, Oakland, and you know, those dreams were crushed. And uh, it really means a lot to you know. I, to be honest, I'd rather drive three and a half hours to Vegas from where I live than to than the two hours to Inglewood. To be honest, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's awesome to see the stadium there, uh, and uh, I mean, it's so beautiful lit up at night, and it's beautiful to see during the day. Um, and you know, the other thing, I think yesterday you were talking about, you know, a number of wins, you know, or the running backs. I wanted to talk to you yesterday. Uh, you know, I think Gruden's like trying to go back to to '98 or to to 2000. I remember in 2000, uh, Napoleon Kaufman. I think he retired. We had Wheatley. Wheatley was our number one, you know, good power rusher. We had Coffin was kind of like a zag, you know. And I think that's what we're that what he's trying to do this year is use Jacobs in the weekly role because that next year in 2001 they brought in Garner, and I see that happening with bringing in the guy from the Cardinals uh, to kind of do uh, you know same type of deal there with them. Yeah, I think that uh, you're onto something uh, there, and uh, you said something that was really interesting to me about, you know, uh, going to um, uh, Las or to, rather, you, you know, you how you want to, you'd rather see them in Las Vegas than drive the couple of hours uh, to Inglewood. And what's interesting to me is uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the Raiders would have worked in Los Angeles much better than the Chargers <laughs> are working in Los Angeles. Um, I know that. You know, um, if you probably inserted some truth serum in the Ra- in the Rams, uh, there was some hesitation in 2015 about that possibility. Um, about you know, Raider fans kind of they're they're prevalent, and what that would mean for for the Rams fan base sharing Los Angeles with the Raiders. But I think in retrospect, and it was very soon after they moved, uh, and especially after the Chargers moved, uh, and they became partners with them, or at least a tenant with them. I think it became really clear to the Rams uh, and everybody else that it would have been a much better situation had the Raiders joined the Rams uh, because, number one, their fans would have bought tickets, season tickets. Uh, that would have not been an issue. Uh, and as a result, you know, the uh, the PSL money, which goes directly to construction of the stadium um, would have been readily available to the Rams rather than I can't I can't tell you how many season tickets the Chargers have sold I just don't know um, they've been very very tight-lipped uh, about that which indicates that it's probably not been that really that good the Raiders sold 65,000 season te- seats here in Las Vegas yeah. and every single one of those seats had a PSL attached to it so think about that you know uh, how it would have worked in Los Angeles I think the Rams now in retrospect think you know it would have been like a USC UCLA type of situation the Raiders would have had their side of town the Rams would have had their side of town it would have been pretty cool and I think they would have pushed each other and it would have been it would have been worked for Los Angeles having said all that everything worked out for the best for the Raiders and I say that because um, when you when you drive past Allegiant Stadium, when you see it all lit up, uh, the colors of it, the look of it, everything is Raiders centric, as it should be. It's their stadium. Obviously, the state of Nevada ultimately owns it, uh, but everything was done in a Raider type way. They would have never had that, unfortunately, in Los Angeles, sharing a stadium, you know, with the Rams. At some point, it would have had to have been kind of a um, 
non-distinct stadium. You wouldn't have really, you can't really know whose stadium it is until you walk in there on game day uh, for each team, and it digitally, magically, digital, digitally changes from a Chargers stadium to a Rams stadium. But outside the stadium. Um, it's hard to tell whose stadium it really is, right? Because there was there was a part of that contract for the Rams, the agreement for the Rams moving uh, back to Los Angeles, that they were going to have to make accommodations for a potential second team, and so as a result, you know, they had to they had to be adhered to certain stipulations, and one of them was. You know, I'm sure the look of the stadium on the outside, and it had to it had to be kind of neutral. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so, so you know, the the Raiders would have been a part of that, and they would have been a great partner, and the tickets would have sales would have been would have gone through the roof. It would have been tremendous, just as it is in Las Vegas. But I think the Raiders got what they really truly wanted and needed their own stadium for their own purposes, looking the way they want it to look. Everything in that building. Um, Mark Davis and Mark Bedane and the Raiders organization has had a huge, huge influence on. Um, and then, you know, you go in uh, to their practice facility in Henderson. The Rams and Chargers don't even have the land picked out yet for their practice facilities. It's so hard to get things done in Los Angeles. It's so hard to, um, you know, to uh, to get things you know, it's so it's so, it's so expensive uh, to buy things. You know, to, to buy land there and to get all the OKs in uh, everything. Um, it's it's. I don't know where the Raiders would have been right now in terms of the practice facility. I know they had. I know how shrewd they are, uh, and I know you know uh, as it was all going on. I'm sure they had boots on the ground in Los Angeles for the just in case basis. So I'm sure they had some locations picked out. Uh, of where they would have liked to have had, um, you know, set up shop. Maybe they would have gone back to El Segundo, which is where they were, um, you know, uh, when they were in Los Angeles. But it's hard to believe. Maybe they would have pulled it off. Um, I don't know. Uh, but certainly the Chargers haven't and the Rams haven't uh, either yet. But it would have been hard for me to imagine that they could have pulled off what they pulled off in Henderson, which this sprawling, beautiful, state-of-the-art um, headquarters practice facility over a sufficient, you know, um, um, parcel of land, land that's allowing them, um, you know, the, to be able to build a new facility for the Sparks and also the Al Davis, Eddie Robinson Leadership um, Academy right next door. Um, so, you know, as 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 cool as it would have been to think about the Raiders being in Los Angeles. Um, and I think that without question, they would have pulled that off in a magnificent way along with the Rams. I think the Rams are, are really doing great things in Los Angeles and making their mark um, and doing it the right way. I know a lot of the people that work in that organization, there is a, um, a real care that they have about getting it right in Los Angeles and doing right by Los Angeles. I know the Chargers are, are trying as well, but it's just really difficult for the Chargers in, in, in Los Angeles. You have to understand the general feeling toward the Chargers when they were in San Diego from Los Angeles's end was apathy. It was like indifference. It was the Chargers, you know, a cool little team down in San Diego, but nobody really paid them much, much mind. It, they, they weren't on Los Angeles's radar short of, you know, some fans that lived there, you know, but not definitely not a significant amount. Um, and I feel bad for the Chargers. Um, you know, uh, they were between a rock and a hard place in San Diego. It was 
borderline impossible to get a stadium deal done there, uh, thanks to the lack of leadership that existed uh, among the city leadership leaders. I know people in San Diego, if they're listening right now, don't want to hear it, but I did enough reporting on it to know that that was the case. Uh, the cards were stacked against Dean Spanos and the Chargers' uh, ownership, and much like it was for the Raiders up in Oakland, um, there's just so much red tape, so much dysfunction, so much lack of leadership, so much lack of cohesiveness, uh, so much, um, you know, working against them. Listen, it is, you're not going to get public money in California to get things done like a stadium. Okay. And the Raiders, and I, and I would imagine the Chargers never really thought that that was going to be the case. I know the Raiders didn't, they never really asked after a while it was Okay. Um, here's how we can do it. You know, uh, lease us the land. Let us develop, kind of like what Stan Kroenke is doing in Inglewood around um, SoFi Stadium. Let us develop the 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 the, the um, you know the area and the uh, around the stadium, and use that money that's generated from the restaurants and hotels and whatever it is that they were going to build in and around the stadium to then used to finance the actual stadium. They were going to foot the bill along with the NFL, uh, but be able to use the, the, the money that they generated from their projects in and around the stadium to help then fund the stadium. But they can never get a consensus on the land. Why? Well, the A's were there, number one, and they had a lease on the uh, Oakland Alameda Coliseum that ran through, I think, 2024. But also, the land was owned by the city of Oakland and the county of Alameda, and they didn't get along, and those those two leadership groups didn't get along. There was a lot of trust, and the Raiders were caught between a rock and a hard place. There was a whole set of other issues in San Diego, um, but... Uh, the the long and short of it, it was going to be really hard for them to get a stadium built in San Diego as well with cooperation. Um, it, it had to have been something, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna be in the business of the NFL, this is how it works. Unless you're you know with the Giants and Jets who collectively together built that stadium in New Jersey without any kind of help from um, you know the state of New York or the state of New Jersey, un unless you go that route. You're not going to, you have to do something as a state, as a city um, to help out. That's just the way it is. And right or wrong, however that case might be, Isn't that's, Dean Spanos that's the, worth like a billion dollars. What's that? Isn't Spanos worth like a billion dollars though? I mean, come okay. on. There's a reason why he's, there's, that's, okay, I'll put it to you this way. Um, Stan Kroenke's worth, what, $14 billion? Okay. He was never going to just go to Los Angeles and uh, build a stadium just for the heck of it, because he could. You know what the, the key to that whole deal was, Devon? Sounds like making the public pay for it. That, well, you, you should probably click on some articles to find out that that's not the case. That's not the case. He said he got access to 300 acres of land in a, in a, in a great part of Los Angeles, a growing uh, part of Los Angeles, probably for dirt cheap. That's how that works. Okay, give me that land. I'll foot the bill for the stadium and everything else around it, and I'll use the revenue from everyone from the you know 200 other acres that's alongside the stadium, the retail, the businesses, the the um, hotels, the restaurants, the bars. Use that money to then basically pay for the stadium. 
he understood, like, in, put it this way, Devon, in St. Louis, he was asking for $700 million to renovate um, the, the, the St. Louis stadium, okay? St. Louis, and, and an arbitrator ruled that that's how much it was going to cost for the city of St. Louis to meet their agreement to make sure that that stadium was one of the top 20 stadiums in the NFL, or else the lease becomes null and void, all right? So he could have built a stadium in St. Louis if he wanted to, right? But he was saying, no, you, you agreed to this back in 1994 or whatever it is that come you know in 20 years, the stadium, or 15 years, 20 years, the stadium would have to be among this percentage of stadiums in quality. And if not, the city of St. Louis and you know the, the people who run the, run the building have to pay whatever it takes to get it to that level. An arbitrator ruled that it would be $700 million. The city of St. Louis said, we don't have that. Stan Kroenke said, well, that's okay. Because I'm moving at, anyways. As a result of that, uh, 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 there's there's a clause in the original lease that triggers, which means we become a free agent able to look wherever we want for a new stadium. And they turned their attention to Los Angeles. Where, there where, was- where? Oh, man, I didn't think about it. I haven't thought about this before. Ooh, I'm just going to point out a map, man. Uh, ooh, uh. Yeah, it was L.A. Yeah. Where there's 300 acres. Three, they, three, You're not going to convince me that he just woke like They were just like, oh, man, we're stressing over this. Where are we going to move to? No, he did. He wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying he was. But, move. but you're wrong in saying there, there's no public money in that stadium. There's no public money in that stadium. What it is, is he got access to that land. I'm sure at a very, very reasonable price through the city of Inglewood. And that's another key to that whole story. It wasn't the city of Los Angeles that he had to deal with. It was a very small uh, city of Inglewood that owned the land. And you had a mayor, and I think it was a three-member uh, city council that the mayor had complete control over. They bypassed a whole vote <laughs> that was needed uh, and made the decision to allow to sell that land to Stan Kroenke. Yes, and rule to have, is not applying to billionaires. Great bypassing what's that? rules. What's that? I said, oh, billionaires not having to abide by rules, just passing up rules. There, yeah, it was, but no, the, the, the rules were definitely in place. There was a, um, a court... Um, there was there was a situation up in Northern California where something similar, not to that extent, but um, they were able to bypass any kind of an actual vote by getting what what they call it as a a signature um, mandate or a signature um, I forget what the the the, uh, the term for it is uh, push basically is if you could get enough signatures from your voting population in that city if you could get like i don't know let's just say 20 percent of your registered voters to sign up for this initiative to sign their name to this initiative it 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 negates having to actually have a vote among all your voters and then the matter goes directly to the mayor and the city council and then they make the decision but there was precedent for that decision you got to be smart in these situations and do your legal work and understand hey we can kind of we can kind of navigate through, and 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 it's important for this reason too. California is so riddled with red tape that if you can find some loopholes to 
navigate your way through to a quicker uh, resolution, you do that. But my point about Stan Kroenke is, and if you want to, if you want to tie it in um, to to uh, uh, to Dean Spanos and Mark Davis for that matter, yeah, they're billionaires, and Stan Kroenke is you know one of the richest owners in the NFL. But he wasn't just going to build a stadium out of his own pocket in St. Louis and in Los Angeles. The only thing that makes se- the only reason it makes sense for him to do it is because now he's got those 200 other acres where he's building all these different restaurants and bars and apartments and houses and office buildings and hotels and everything else. And all the money that's generated from those businesses goes to him in order to actually pay for the stadium. So he's not getting a tax break. What he got was cheap land in a great part of Los Angeles, and then the ability to use the proceeds of what he builds in that development to help offset the cost of the stadium. So, but, and that's kind of, that's what that's what Mark Davis is trying to get in Oakland, and he would have done the same exact thing on a smaller piece of land uh, up in Oakland, but he couldn't get access to the land for all these different reasons and in san diego they were basically trying to raise the tourism tax kind of like they did here in las vegas um and it went to a vote and they didn't get enough votes for it to happen so uh, you know unfortunately that's the way it works but but just getting things done in california is is really really hard uh, you're in the huddle with any monster brought to you by tequila and Bahara. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Damon Cotton thinking that Stan Crockett got any money from California to build it. The Inglewood Stadium. There's so much, uh, and, and I don't, I don't expect you uh, to know that because everybody. No, it's just that no, it's, it's it doesn't matter um, how he got the money. Oh, he got the cheap deal on the land. Just pay for it yourself. You can afford it. Um, but he wanted to do that, and so did Mark Davis. No, no but, I mean, just pay for it. That, that's my that's my point. It, it's the long it's the long end around of just like eh, it sounds like you can afford it. Just pay for it yourself. <laughs> oh, and okay, okay. So, um, and where are you going to get the land to do that? Wait, they cut them just some sweet deal. Pay full price on the pay full price on the land. Who's giving you? How why do you he, get access did, to? Why the does land? he need this sweet deal that he got? Who uh, in in uh, Inglewood? Yes, you said like it's, oh, you basically saying like they cut they cut him a primo deal. The same exact like, way yeah, that no, the Raiders pay, and Chargers got full price for from. It. You, you got to hear me out. Be, you know, I know you're trying to make a joke, but listen, just listen to me. No, it's listen the same, no joke. The, the, just just listen. The same way the Chargers and Raiders got the land in Carson. They they went through a uh, a smaller community in Carson, <clears throat> much like the Rams did in Inglewood, to get access to enough land, sufficient land to build a stadium on. The Rams and Chargers, or the Raiders and Chargers, were going to build that stadium in Carson themselves together. They were going to team up to build it, and um, just like the Rams, you know, are, were doing in in Inglewood. Now, how, where? T- tell me where the Raiders are supposed to were supposed to have built um, what land on what land were the Raiders supposed to have built a stadium in Oakland? And I'll say the same thing in o- in San Diego. You don't just say I want to I want to uh, build something right here of this magnitude. You have to get 
political okays. You have to get access to the land. You have to get a vote sometimes for that to happen, whether it's a city council vote, uh, a board of county supervisors vote, whether it's a public vote. Nothing just happens like that. You have to have um, support politically. It doesn't even, they're not even asking for public money. They're asking for the land to do it. You don't, you, you know, you need like hundreds of acres to be able to build a stadium. My question to you in San Diego and Oakland, what, where, what land are we talking about here? I think the Raiders move is more logical than um, San Diego's. If we're going, if we're going on that merit, yes, the Raiders move is more logical. You get, you get logical. It's a, it just makes, it, it makes more sense. Then this, then the Chargers move to where? Then the Chargers move to LA. Like, excuse me for asking this silly question. Why couldn't they just update the stadium that was already in San Diego? It was that that place is a you guys see that thing. That thing was a dump. There was no way you were going to have to like. Um, it was not going to work. You couldn't just you couldn't just renovate that stadium. That was that was a non-starter, and that's why that place got knocked down. <laughs> it just got knocked down. So unfortunately, that wasn't a um, a consideration. So maybe a new stadium on that same land that it got knocked down. But over, again, that also not but again, a, somebody owns that land. Someone owns that land. You have to have. You have to give. You know. Um, that has to go through all sorts of stipulations and all sorts of, um, you know, requirements and votes and things like that. Then you're going to have to knock down that stadium. Okay, so why should why are these cities so beholden to the NFL? It sounds like that it's not up to these cities to just like, hey, NFL, you want to you want to build it? You want we're gonna we're gonna accommodate to you hand and foot. It's not that's not up to the cities. I I mean, if you want to be um, if you want to be an NFL city you have to you do that's the that's uh, unless you don't want to be and that's fine too okay, Nobody's, I'm so not, it sounds like maybe these it's not it's not worth it's not worth the hassle for well i for 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 some cities it isn't and that's why they don't have an nfl team and uh i i think that if i do believe if you had better leadership in oakland and you had better leadership in, in san diego they could have figured out a way there's it, i i give las vegas and nevada so much credit because the, the tax that they rose on out-of-towners was just a brilliant move. That's what they were trying to do in San Diego. Do you not think that that's a pretty good, uh, a, a pretty shrewd way to do it? Like, have the out-of-towners... In theory, but then 2020 happened, and you've seen that it's becoming an issue. It's not. They, they set aside money to deal with that. They understood that there could be ebbs and flows and, and, and highs and lows. So through the money that they were raising, they also set up a security pot in order to deal with anything that, that happens with, with also the understanding that everything would recover, whatever the situation might be, so that you'd get back on track. So they were able to set aside some sort of a provisionary uh, pot of money to deal with any kind of shortcomings from year to year for whatever reason. So they did think about that and they had that, but in and of itself, and, and, and everything will work out uh, in that regard, in and of itself, don't you think that that's a pretty smart move to do it that way? I'm so dude. What do we again like to just raise the tourism dollars? Yeah, to raise yeah to to raise the tax on a hotel bill for you know uh, Jim and Sandy that came in from Iowa uh, for a weekend in Las Vegas and everyone else that comes in from anywhere else. You raise the tax by what a penny or less than a penny on the uh, sales tax for for a hotel um, stay, which is fairly insignificant. Don't you think that if you're Las Vegas and you're the state of Nevada and you know that we can tap into our primary um, revenue source and just 
raise a tax so that we're not paying for it, the out-of-towners are paying for it. Don't you think that that's pretty pretty smart? Smart in theory, but we're still paying for it as the locals. That's the show. How do you how do you figure? We got to school them on on Monday on Monday about the ills of his way. The, the locals are not paying for the stadium. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bossier. Brought to you by Tequila and Bahador. We'll talk to you on for, on Monday, three to five.